Today, we're sharing our number one tip for getting your kids to behave perfectly. Just kidding. But seriously, to get them to be pretty darn good on your next family trip. That's had an extremely high success rate for us. And then we're talking about something way more important, crucial conversations. It was the topic of one of my favorite speeches from a recent self-development conference our church held worldwide. The importance of having essential conversations with your kids to prepare them for real-life scenarios before they happen. We're sharing some of the topics we've already talked about with our kids and how we've already seen the blessings of some of those conversations. Aloha. Aloha. We are recording in Hawaii. We are on a little trip with our kiddos, our oldest, Annabelle, who is eight years old, and Lila, who is almost six. And it's been such a treat to spend time with them. Don't Just you think? a joy. Yeah. Oh, and it really has. It's been awesome. So we're going to start off by giving our number one trip tip, and that is the point system. And it's something that I learned from Greg McEwen. If you listen to his episode a few weeks back, well, no, not a few weeks back, a few months back, he talked about a point system that he did with his kids, I think over the summer during COVID, where they decided to just earn, everyone could earn points if they did something good, if they did something right, if they were getting along with a sibling or they pitched in to help or they did something without asking or they were just having a good attitude. And the rules were that there were only points for good things, for positive behavior, and that you couldn't take any points away. So it was only a positive point system and that everyone contributed to the overall goal. So we did it a little differently uh, on our like during Christmas vacation, we did the same thing. We did the point system and we had each kid earn points, but we did, we did it similar in that they could only earn toward positive behavior. So a point for every positive behavior, if they were being kind to a sibling or if they were being a peacemaker or if they were helpful or they listened the first time, we were just encouraging all the positive behaviors that we wanted them to be encouraged to do. And then they got to use up all their points at the end to purchase something they really wanted. And it was so successful. It was such a great thing that we were like, we need to do this for every trip. So we've been doing it here. And how do you think it's gone, Neil? Yeah, I think it's been super good. Just something that's positively motivating them. And I like that it's positive. Yeah. Uh, I feel like a lot of times the temptation is to jump to the negative and be like, well, we're going to, you know, here's a consequence for this behavior. Take this away. We're going to take this away. So You're it's going nice to lose this or that. It's, it's nice to have something to uh, be positively motivating them. And so, um, yeah, it's really good. So if you heard that little outburst, that's our kids are watching iPads in the background. They're currently right next we, to us. We never do. but iPads. And I feel like I'm trying to be all quiet. Like, yeah, we don't our need to be quiet, here. but that's true. We do have neighbors, but I don't think they can hear they us. They probably can't hear Anyway, so what we want to talk about tonight is something even more important, though, than that number one trip tip, which is crucial conversations. And actually, it was 
entitled Essential Conversations, the speech that was given in our recent general conference, which if you're not a member of our church, it's kind of like spiritual TED Talks. And it's uh, two full days, so Saturday and a Sunday, twice a year that our church puts on. And it was, I heard rumors that it was the largest online self-help convention ever held. Because of the attendance of General Conference this session, which makes sense. You know, they had millions turn out for this and it was free. It was broadcast on YouTube and that's where we watched. And, you know, you could watch it or listen to it in all different places. But uh, this was one of my very favorite talks or speeches. And it was by Joy Jones. And she just talked about the importance of having essential conversations with your kids. So talking to them about hard things they might face in life before they happen, which Neil and I have tried to do. And we've talked a little bit about a couple of these things on the podcast before, but she gave some really good suggestions for things that you could like different topics. So we'll talk about those in just a second, but First of all, just the, this idea of having crucial conversations with your kids before they have certain life challenges hit them is so important. And I just want to read this quotation by President Henry B. Eyring. He said, we have the greatest opportunity with the young. The best time to teach is early when children are still immune to the temptations of the mortal enemy and long before the words of truth may be harder for them to hear in the noise of their personal struggles. I think that's really interesting, the wording there, that the truth might be harder for them to hear in the noise of their personal struggles. A lot of times I feel like we focus on, oh, the world's going to be so loud. The world will be teaching them false things. But this is like having a total different point of view, which is once they start to struggle internally, they might question truth or what to do or how to face things. And I remember that happening to me. I remember things happening once I left my parents' home um, that they prepared me for, for sure, as, as best they could. But those internal struggles really are interesting because it, it presents this challenge of, well, what do I believe? What do I think is true? Where do I want to put my own personal belief system to the test? And so this whole talk was about role-playing and talking to your kids and preparing them before these things happen. And I think it's really interesting, too, that it's a, it's a focus on being intentional with the conversations you're having. Because it's easy to say the same things, right? Like when I pick up the kids, how was your day? What did you learn today? What did you do? Who did you play with? What did you eat for lunch? And I think that having taking time while you're driving or while you're doing dishes or especially for me on this trip while we've had extra one-on-one time with each of our older two kids. It's been so wonderful to have time with them to talk about important things and and ask them questions and give them my attention and, and have their attention too. So what do you think, Neil? Yeah, I think it's been awesome to have that. And I, and I think I'm, as you're talking about this concept of crucial conversations with your kids and how that affects them or benefits them later. I'm just thinking of like in the, in the scriptures, like a lot of times the most significant experiences that, you know, in from like the book of Mormon, which we, we, you know, believe in is I think of the prophet Alma, the younger, like he's struggling and he's, you know, 
has this experience where he sees an angel, the angel commands him to repent because he's doing all this bad stuff. And then the, the key thing that kind of gets him out of this, this tough spot that he's in is that he remembers the words that his father taught about Jesus Christ or Enos um, there's too. Enos. That was mm-hmm. the other one that came to mind is he's hunting in the forest and he's struggling with feeling like he's made bad choices in his life. And then stripping um, lawyers. The stripling lawyers is another one where the parents, it's like the words of what their parents had taught them their mothers. came back into, well, with the stripling warriors, mm-hmm. yeah, example, um, they remembered something that it, it kind of was like they were taught when they were young yeah. and then they came into a situation that was applicable or they needed that information. And then that is when their mind was, was directed back to that teaching and that impact was there because that conversation had been there and they remembered it. Mm -hmm. And then they were able to make choices that were blessing to them and then to other people because of those conversations that were had. So just such a cool concept. And they drew strength on that. That's so true. I would not have thought of that. So Joy Jones talks about a really cool story of, do you remember the story of the uh, kid who was in like, train I don't know if it was basic training or what but some type of military training and oh yeah he was was yeah like commanded to just lay down and not move and the consequences would be very strict if if these soldiers moved and he just they laid there for more than two hours and the longer the time went on and it was like hot and miserable the more this kid just started feeling super resentful and this was a training toward right, right a training, training yeah. started really resenting his commander. And then he found himself however many weeks or months later out in a real life battle. And suddenly they had to drop to the ground and not move. And the enemy was looking for any type of movement. And in that moment, he was so grateful for that training, that really intense training where they had to lay still without making a slight movement for more than two hours because he knew he had been prepared for this moment where it truly was life or death. And she says in the talk that that trainer basically saved his life by preparing him in, for that real life moment. And so that's what we are hoping to do with our kids is have them draw strength and, and think back and say, oh, yeah, I, I know what to do. I've been taught what to do. They might not choose perfectly, but the best thing we can do is prepare them. And what she says about accidental conversations, I think, is so interesting. She says... We cannot wait for conversation to simply happen to our children. Accidental conversation is not a principle of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Becoming like our Savior will not happen randomly. Being intentional in loving, teaching, and testifying can help children begin at a young age to feel the influence of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is essential to our children's testimony of and conversion to Jesus Christ. And I think that our church has this really cool thing called Come Follow Me, and it in the Gospel Library app, which is a free app, there are primary, so just, you know, children level conversations you can have with your kids every week. And tonight at dinner, we sat down and talked about this week's challenge to treat everyone with kindness and to look for people who need extra friends and who need extra love and support. And we got to role play with our kids. Okay, what would you do if you saw someone who was sitting by themselves? And that was kind of an easier one. Like, oh, you know, go over and talk to them. And then we said, 
okay, now what would you do if all your friends who you wanted them to think you're cool and you wanted to fit in with said, oh, we don't like her anymore. We don't want to play with her. What would you do? And that was a little bit more tricky. They had to think about it. And then they, you know, gave us great answers about saying, oh, well, if you choose that, then that's your choice. But I still like her. I still want to be her friend. And I was really proud of them for taking the time to think that through and then, you know, tell us at least what the right answer was in front of us. But hopefully that really does prepare them for that moment so that they're not caught in a moment of like, oh, what do I do? And they've already thought that through with us. And they may or may not make the right choice, but at least they've been prepared to know what the right choice is, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, this reminds me of I just just today I was going down the water slide with Annabelle and she was like, oh, I met a friend and we were talking about, um, you know, movies that we like to watch. And she was talking about these these really scary movies. And I was like, oh, she named one and that she and this little girl had watched. And I was like, oh, Annabelle, that's, you know, it's an R-rated movie. She's like, oh, what's that mean? And so we had this conversation about the rating system and what the different PG, PG-13 are what that means. And so I think it was, you know, on the fly, I think those conversations can come up and that was just kind of a a cool moment to be able to address it and be like, Hey, this is what this is. This is what it means. This is what you're going to find, you know, in, in the different levels of movies. And some people have different, um, you know, they make different choices with what they view and and that's, you know, it's, it's up to them and and that's what the decisions that they made. And, um, you know, as far as here are the standards that we've been taught and, and where we can, um, you know, make that choice that's going to going to help us. Um, so that, you know, down the road when she's confronted with that, she'll understand a little bit better, like, Oh, okay, this is what I can expect from, you know, this rating or here's what I need to do. Hopefully. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a cool little moment. Yeah. I don't even remember when my parents taught me. I know they did. I just, it's hard to remember. And then it's interesting how, some conversations do stick out in your mind. And I've heard people say this before that you you won't teach your kids when you think you're teaching them. You know, it will be the things in between the lines and, and random conversations where they will learn things from you that will stick with them their whole lives. So I literally pulled up this Essential Conversations talk because she has such a great list of things that you can talk to your kids about. And one of them was what to do if they're tempted to lie, steal, or cheat. So while we were sitting at dinner tonight, I said to our kids, okay, what what if someone asks you to cheat in school? Like, oh, copy my paper or, oh, hey, can I see the, the answers on your test? And cute little Lila looks at me and says, well, there's no talking during tests. <laughs> such a wild answer. And I said, that's true. I said, but what if it's with homework and someone says, hey, can I copy your answers? And what if it's someone that you really want to be friends with and you really want them to think you're cool? And she was like, I think she said something about like, well, that's a bad choice. And I said, that's true. I said, but what if they say to you, well, the teacher will never know. They, they'll never find out. And it kind of took her a minute and she's like, I don't remember what she said. Do you remember what she said? She had a good answer. She had a good answer. Mm-hmm. It was something about like, well, that's not the right thing. That's still not the right thing to do. And it was great because we had a conversation about you're exactly right that, you know, even if 
you think that the teacher won't find out or whatever, it'll just make you feel yucky inside because you'll know that it's not honest. And then God will know and you will know and you will know that you weren't honest and um, just the importance of being honest. And it was such a great conversation that I don't think we've had in that kind of detail. Our, we've certainly taught our kids that it's wrong to cheat or it's wrong to steal. But some of those just real life scenarios that are role-playing a little bit of what if someone says to you, oh, the teacher will never find out, or it's a friend you really want them to think you're cool. What do you do then? And so another one that I was so proud of one of our kids, and this was totally my fault, but um, a few months ago, well, no, sorry, a, a few months ago, it was like a couple weeks ago, one of our kids came to me and I was sitting in the bathtub and she ran in and said, mom, I saw pornography. And I said, really? I said, really? Where? And she said, uh, in a book, in your book. And I was like, what book? So she, I said, bring it to me. So she went and got it. It was a coffee table book. So again, totally my fault. But this coffee table book that I had bought, totally judging the book by its cover. It was this cute book with like a pink cover. And sure enough, she showed me and it was a artistic depiction of a very much a pornographic kind of a scenario. Um, so luckily it wasn't like a video or a photo, but it was definitely not the kind of thing that you want an eight-year-old to see. I mean, I don't care if you are super liberal or super conservative. It's just totally not appropriate for a child to see. And I just had no idea. You know, it was a European book and sometimes things like that, you know. Anyway, so, um, I mean, it was a, it was like a, a portrayal of like a sexual act between two people. I'll say that. So not something I would have wanted a kid to see. I'm not saying like it was, you know, the David or something. It was, it was definitely unquestionably not what I ever would have wanted her to see. And she did exactly what we taught her to do. Well, first she came to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> no. Well, after no, it was after she oh, talked it was to after. you. She talked to you and then she, she came, came to down me and she and said, so. mom, I saw pornography. And I said, okay, bring it to me. And she showed me and I said, I am so sorry. This was totally my fault. And I told her I'll get rid of it right away. But I said, you did the right thing. You did exactly what we told you to do because we've taught our kids when you see pornography and you will see it, call it what it is shut it down, you know, turn it off if it's a screen, close it if it's a book or turn it off if it's a movie or whatever, and then go tell an adult immediately. And so she did exactly that. She, you know, called it what it was, shut the book, came and told me immediately, brought the book to me. And then she told you too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and she came and talked to me and I just said, Annabelle, you did exactly what we wanted you to do. Yeah. And that, that's exactly what you do in those scenarios. And we went over those steps again. And, you know, that's something, yeah, it's, that's been super helpful to have that conversation right up front and to have those role plays on what to do so that they know and then positively reinforce when there is a, a situation that arises. Yeah. And you could go back and listen to if this is, if you're a parent and you want to hear more about this, there's a whole podcast where we go in depth with an expert on, um, I think that it's entitled good pictures, bad pictures. And we talk all about how to prepare your kids for that and what conversations to have with them. But it was just a really powerful moment to see, wow, we taught her what to do. And she did exactly what she was told to do. And 
you know, we've talked about that with what do you do if someone bullies you? And that's been helpful. And, and then I think it's really important too, to open up the conversation so they feel safe coming to us too. We have one of our kids who's asked us a couple of times, what if what you've taught us and what we believe isn't true? And I've said, well, the great thing about what we believe is that every single person can find out for themselves. You don't have to believe me for yourself. You can find out for yourself. You can get on your knees and pray and ask Heavenly Father if this is true. And if it's true, He will help you to feel that through the Holy Ghost. You will feel a warm feeling. You will feel the Spirit testify to you that it's true. And that is what the scriptures say. That is 100% what we believe in. And I was able to say that with such confidence, but I love that at least for now, our kids feel comfortable asking us those things. And, and I think that as much as we can, you know, just creating an environment where they can ask questions and feel comfortable asking, you know, anything that they have on their mind is also so important. And my parents were really good at that. My parents with specifically like, um, the birds and the bees talk, they were always, you know, we want you to come to us first. Don't go to your friends. Don't go to, there was nothing like the internet at the time, but you know, they wanted me to feel comfortable talking to them about those things. And I think that it's something that doesn't come naturally. I think that naturally kids feel like, oh, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want my parents to be mad at me for asking the wrong things. Or what if I disappoint them? I remember thinking those things, you know, wanting so badly to be a pleaser and not disappoint my parents or um, have them think less of me. So I'm always trying to ask my kids what can I do to make you feel loved, to make you feel supported? Have I done anything to not make you feel loved lately? And and just having room for those conversations is so important. What do you what are your thoughts here, Neil, with all of this? Yeah. No, I would agree. I think that establishing a like an open channel of communication and being a safe place. And I think that I mean, from what I've learned and studied and um, just in listening to different experts and, and even, you know, in recovery, talking about it a lot is, you know, being, being able to have those conversations consistently and being open and establishing like a comfortable line of communication so that when something does come up, it's not like the first time that they're dropping something really personable or, you know, personal or vulnerable or, um, something that they're going to be like, okay, this is a little uncomfortable. And if they're not used to having those conversations already or being kind of an open book with, you know, with me or with, with you or with us in general, then they're not going to want to be able to have that, that conversation when the time comes, uh, when there is something that is a little more sensitive, uh, or, you know, more of a vulnerable situation. So it's really, uh, kind of a mindset that I've had to change and something that in recovery, learning more about the importance of sharing in, uh, you know, in the right situation and in a safe place, being able to, to kind of bring the inside out and have, a, you know, table, a, a conversation topic that, um, you know, is something that, that is, you know, maybe vulnerable or meaningful or important so that, you know, there's, there can be a conversation about it and solutions can be made, um, opposed to, 
kind of shutting it off and going, you know, going dark with something and creating a secret, then mm-hmm. those secrets can kind of turn into an addiction or secrets are the life secrets are the lifeblood of addiction or other, you know, negative behaviors or things that are going to pull you in a, in a wrong, you know, the direction that you don't want to go in. Um, so that's, that's just a, a principle in general that, you know, I've, I've had to learn and understand. And hopefully my hope is to be able to pass that along to our kids to where they're, um, you know, can be a blessing for them and, and be able to help them to, to stay in a better, uh, in a better place and, you know, progress a little, a lot faster. Yeah. And I feel like on this trip, it's been such a gift to be able to have more opportunities than normal to have these conversations with my kids, to sit on the beach with them, to sit on the beach with Lila or to hike with Annie and just talk to them about, things that really, really matter. And, you know, you don't have to take an expensive trip. My dad would take me backpacking every summer as a kid. And I just craved that time with him because my dad was really busy. He worked a ton and I respect and admire him for that. And a lot of my work ethic came from him and from his dad and from that foster line of hard work. But I loved the time away in the mountains with my dad where we got to have all kinds of conversations. And I remember feeling extra close to him, like underneath the stars when we would just sit and roast marshmallows or just literally looking at the stars. And he was so genuinely interested in my heart and in what I thought and what I felt and feeling like I could really open up to him about exactly who I was and let him see me for who I was, if that makes sense. And I feel like I've seen that more on this trip with both of our older girls because at home, I spend time around them all the time, you know, making dinner, getting them ready for school, doing their hair, dropping them off at school, picking them up at school, taking them to activities, making dinner, doing the dishes, you know, hustling their butts to bed. Like it's kind of the rat race of life day in and day out. But, you know, it's just been so nice to have that extra time where we don't have other distractions or even the little kids around. And I know that this isn't possible for everyone and and each family and setup and scenario is different. But the point of the backpacking trip example is that I think you can create those times, even if it's just let's walk the dog together or while you're doing dishes with one of the kids, you're having those conversations. Or I I love the time one-on-one that I get with Annabelle when I drive her to and from tumbling each week. That's kind of our special time. And she says, I love talking to your mommy. And because it's just her and me. And uh, one time, literally one time in the last year, I agreed to be on a Zoom call. And so I had dialed into it and was listening in. And she was so mad at me for taking her time away from that one-on-one time with her. So I think you can create these conversations and these times to have intentional conversations. Uh, But it's just been so nice to feel like I see them in a different way. I see them more intimately. I see them more what their hearts are really all about and what they crave and their little love languages. Lila is such a quality time girl and Annabelle is physical touch. She wants, you know, a back scratch or she wants a hug and, you know, each kid, 
they just come so different, but it's just been so nice to have that time carved out with them here without distractions for me or for them. And uh, one last thought on that too, is I love what a gift it has been to truly keep myself accountable about keeping the Sabbath day holy. And I don't know if we've ever, we should do a separate podcast on this sometime, but for years I used Sunday as my catch up day. I would catch up on emails. I would get my week all set up and, and no judgment to anyone. If this is how you operate or you do your business or whatever, I mean, you do you, this is just what happened to me. I found that I was actually working more on Sunday than almost any other day because it was my day to get everything ready for the week. And it was so excessive being, you know, this stay at home, work from home, mompreneur or whatever, that I had to just draw a hard line and say, no more Sundays, no more working on Sundays. And in doing that, it has given me extra time to have, you know, just goofy like breakfast, making pancakes with our kids, hanging out with them, watching a Sunday movie with them, making dinner or making a dessert or going on a family walk, things that I feel like I wasn't uh, I wasn't available to do before when I was using those cracks and crevices on Sundays to fill in work here and there. Now that's been a gift to me. I, like I thought this, it was this big sacrifice that I was giving to the Lord to not work on Sunday, but really it's been such a gift to me and to our family to not work on Sundays. Um, but what are your thoughts, Neil, about creating those times to talk to our kids? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, it's just, I think it's just key. It's something that I'm learning. And, and I don't know, I, I think of myself as someone who's, who's just, you know, practicing like, like the concept of a doctor, they, they, they will say, well, I'm, you know, I'm practicing medicine or I'm practicing law or, um, and that's just a term that's made so much more sense to me. It's like <clears throat> a lot of times, you know, there are, there are principles, there are eternal principles that are eternal truths. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm a fallible human being. Like we're not perfect. We're just, oh, no. we're trying to practice <laughs> and figure this stuff out. And it's, it's, you know, a lot of times it's, it's sloppy or haphazard or, you know, a little sideways, but it's like, you know, the hope is that, the, that the messages will come through and that as we have these conversations, um, that, that our kids will, will understand, um, and learn these principles and be able to live by them so that they can see the blessings from living these truths in their lives. Okay. My final thought with this is something that Joy Jones said so well. And I've thought about over and over. She said, children deserve to understand this great truth. Eternity is the wrong thing to be wrong about. And I've thought about that so much in the context of what do I want my kids to know eternally that's true, that's truth. And I want them to know that there's nothing they can do that will disqualify them from God's love. I want them to know that they have worth, that they don't have to earn that worth. They already are worthy of love and that they have a savior who already did everything that was needed so that they could um, repent of any sin or, or just get back to living with our heavenly father and, and living as families forever. 
I want them to know that my favorite, favorite, favorite scripture is Adam fell that men might be and men are that they might have joy. That God's whole purpose of us existing is so that we can have joy. He doesn't want us to exist in fear or in feeling like we're not good enough. His whole purpose of our existence is to feel joy. And I want them to know that. There's so many other things, too, that I hope along the way to teach them. But I hope to teach them that they're here to be joyful and to learn and grow and that it's okay to make mistakes and that there's a perfect plan for them to overcome any thing that they do wrong or that they mess up on or that, you know, that mistakes are here to teach us. And anyway, so that's, you know, what I am trying to learn from this talk that like Neil said, we're, we're learning and practicing and growing and we are so far from having this all figured out. Neil's always super worried about giving any parental advice, like as if we have it all figured out and we don't, but this was a powerful idea to me that I feel like I've really had an extra chance to put into practice this week and it's been a joy to me to get to know these two little souls so much better absolutely well well said we'll on that one but um, yeah thanks for listening to me and we'll uh, mahalo mahalo <laughs> see you on the next episode yep thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.